Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> I woke up with this chorus in my spirit, been singing it all morning long. This wasn't planned. It's not in my notes. We don't have lyrics for it, but I think it's fairly familiar to our house. So I'd love for you to help me out as you, as you pick up where we're going. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Is that true of you? All my life you have been faithful. Help me sing. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, clap your hands if you know that he's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for what you've already accomplished in this place. We know you haven't gone anywhere. We know you have a word to speak. Spirit of God, I ask that you would speak through me today. Let it be easy to share your word and easy to pay attention and receive all that you have for us through your word today. In Jesus' name, the strong son of God. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, good morning. My name is Daniel Sutton, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at Destiny Church. I want to thank our lead pastors, Chris and Jody Tomlinson, for the opportunity to share today. We plan on getting back into the all-in series through the book of Acts real soon, but today I have it on my heart to teach on fasting. Fasting, everyone's favorite spiritual discipline. (laughs) For those that don't know, and Pastor Chris already alluded to it, we began a corporate fast, a church-wide fast on Monday, January 2nd. It's a 21-day fast, so we're now just one-third of the way through it. And perhaps you are already participating. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but there may be some of you that haven't begun. Maybe you don't really understand what it's all about. So my hope today is that this message will be affirming for you, but also help answer some questions and encourage you to participate if you are not. Theologian and pastor during the Protestant Reformation, John Calvin said, quote, let us therefore make some observations on fasting since very many, not understanding what utility there can be in it, judge it not to be very necessary, while others reject it altogether as superfluous. Where its use is not well known, it is easy to fall into superstition. All the way back during the Reformation, John Calvin is pointing out two errors that Christians have made in regards to fasting. There are some that would say, I've got the Holy Spirit, I've got the word of God, I don't need to fast. There would be some that would say, oh, I'm going to fast so that God will do what I want him to do in my life. Both are wrong, amen? For far too long, fasting has been neglected in the body of Christ. This is for a variety of reasons. But fasting has also been misused in the body of Christ, and this needs to change. 
Did you know we find fasting mentioned more than 70 times in the Bible? It's actually mentioned more than baptism, which we're doing next Sunday. The first place we find it mentioned in Scripture is Exodus, chapter 34, verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. See, in the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, we learned that there was a special day of fasting. This was the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. This is when the sins of the entire nation of Israel were atoned for or made right. Actually reminds me of a joke. I was talking to a buddy of mine recently, and he was really cranky because he had been fasting all day for Yom Kippur. I'm sure it'll pass over. (laughs) You're welcome. We find fasting elsewhere, too. It's not just in the Bible. The Christian faith is not the only one that has cornered the market on fasting. Followers of many world religions practice fasting. Those in the medical field encourage fasting for various reasons. And some practice it strictly from a health standpoint, not even anything spiritually. And, uh, you know, I actually tried one of these diets one year where I would abstain from eating food while I put my mittens on in the winter. Maybe you've heard of it, intermittent fasting. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. What is fasting? What is fasting? Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is taught in the Bible, and it leads to spiritual formation. We find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament. We find it all throughout church history. Jesus expects his followers to fast, and he said that God will reward it. Fasting, according to the Bible, means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time and purpose. Some places in scripture, when referring to fasting, use deny oneself or humble oneself or even afflict the soul. It's a serious matter. This intentional sacrifice of what our bodies crave and need is to be replaced with prayer that will provide us spiritual nourishment. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, Jesus said, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In biblical times, some people who fasted would actually put on this type of white makeup to make themselves look sickly. And they did this so that people would look at them and just think, wow, they're so holy. The Bible calls those people hypocrites. The Greek word is hypocrites, which means actor or stage player. So these people were quite literally just putting on a show. Church, we can't do this. 
if and when you choose to fast, that's between you and the Lord. You don't have to let everybody know you're doing it. In fact, you shouldn't. The Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Amen? Now, I find it interesting that in this same passage, in the middle of Jesus' teaching on prayer and giving, we find fasting. It's, it's a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, covered in chapters, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And Jesus uses phrases like, when you give, verse 2, when you pray, verse 5, and when you fast, verse 16. Jesus assumes that his audience is giving, praying, fasting. Jesus assumes that they will continue to give and pray and fast. And if they are not, that they will begin as a result of his sermon to give and pray and fast. None of these are an option for a disciple. These are not rare or unusual practices, not for the people of God. Fasting is not the exception, it's the norm. Fasting, according to Jesus, is just like prayer and giving. And these must be regular parts of our spiritual journey with Jesus. And let us not look at it as something that we have to do, but something that we get to do, something that pleases our Father and will lead to spiritual growth. Perhaps you're regularly practicing one or two of these three things mentioned in Matthew 6. Maybe you are giving or praying or both. What might happen if you started to worship God in all three of these areas? That's something to think about, isn't it? Another thing I find interesting is just a little later in this same chapter, a little further into the sermon, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or wear. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. One of the best ways to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is through giving and prayer and fasting. These should be our focus. Another place we find fasting mentioned is a couple chapters later. It's Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. It says, then John's disciples came and asked him. These are John the Baptist's disciples, and they're asking Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, I want to point out that while the Israelites were only really required or expected to fast on the Day of Atonement, there were some, these followers of John the Baptist and certainly the Pharisees, that fasted twice a week. That's great. The problem is they did it on the two busiest days at the marketplace so that they could be seen praying and abstaining from food which as we've already covered in Matthew 6, is not great. But in this passage, 
Jesus is saying, I am the groom. You, my disciples, my church, are my bride. And we're together. I'm right here with you guys. There's no reason to fast. We're at a wedding. We're, we're celebrating. I'm here with you. But a time will come when I have to leave, and then you will fast. But it's not going to be like those other times you have fasted, just in mourning or in grief. There's a new way. There's a different way, a better way. He's telling the, the disciples and us that we don't fast just as a physical attempt to consecrate ourselves. He's already come to consecrate us. The better way, the new way, the way we fast now is because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we ought to hunger for him more as a result. Fasting is not so much about the food as it is about the focus. Fasting turns our attention away from the pleasures of this world and turns them to Christ, finding pleasure in him. Fasting is an outward response to an inward attitude and cry of our heart and soul. Fasting is not a means of seeking God's blessing. It's a means of seeking God, seeking his face, not his hand. Fasting is feasting on the Lord, hungering for him, looking to him alone for our comfort and power and strength and guidance and forgiveness and hope. Fasting is a sacrifice. It's not easy or convenient. I would not call fasting fun, but it is faithfully trusting that God will do what he says he will do. Church, when we surrender something we value and pursue Jesus instead, we find far greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Amen? Okay, so in short, that is what fasting is. Why fast? Why should I fast? Well, there are many reasons to fast, but the motive in a fast cannot be that God will find favor with me because I'm giving up my favorite candy bar for a couple weeks. The motive must be this realization that the world and its ways have crowded in too close to me, and I need to withdraw myself from some of these things to focus more on God, giving him more of my time and attention and desire and seeking a deeper relationship with him and seeking a greater commitment to his will for my life. It all boils down to the intent of the heart. So why should we fast? Don't freak out. I'm going to give you 10 reasons quick. <laughs> why fast? Number one, fast to prepare for ministry. When you fast, you are prepared for your next step. When you fast, you're prepared for what lies ahead. You're prepared for your ministry. Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness, fasting and praying before he began God's work on this earth. Jesus needed time alone to prepare for what his father had called him to do. Same is true for us. It's true for me. It's true for you. It's true for every believer here in person and every believer watching online. You are a minister. This is not just for those in full-time vocational ministry. If you are a follower of Christ, then you are a minister for Christ. Fast to prepare 
for your ministry. In Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, imagine we'll get there in a few weeks in our all-in series. We find now in the church at Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Fast to prepare for ministry. Number two, fast to seek God's wisdom. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the churches before committing them to the Lord for his service. I wonder, do you have an an important decision to make? Anybody here, raise your hand if you need some direction. You've got some, some answers that you're seeking. Consider fasting. Fast to show grief. Nehemiah mourned and fasted and prayed when he learned that Jerusalem's walls had been broken down, leaving the Israelites vulnerable and disgraced. Fasting can often bring comfort and hope and restoration in our grief. Fast to seek deliverance or protection. Ezra declared a corporate fast and prayed for a safe journey for the Israelites as they made the 900-mile trek to Jerusalem from Babylon. Anybody bound by anything? Anybody struggling with an addiction, perhaps? Fast. Fast to seek deliverance and protection. Number five, fast to repent. Anybody ever find themselves asking God to forgive them for the same thing over and over and over again? After Jonah pronounced judgment against the city of Nineveh, the king covered himself with sackcloth and sat in the dust. And he then ordered the people to fast and pray. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, we find, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow. Do you keep slipping into the same sin? Consider adding fasting to those prayers of repentance. Fasting can often show the depth of our desire to God. Number six, fast to gain victory. After losing 40,000 men in battle in two days, the Israelites cried out to God for help. In Judges 20, verse 26, it says, All the people went up to Bethel and sat weeping before the Lord. They also fasted that day until evening. The next day, the Lord gave them victory over the Benjamites. This reminds me of a Phil Wickham song, Battle Belongs. And part of the lyric is, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Man, prayer and fasting is such a powerful way to fight. And fasting will lead to victory. It might not happen immediately, but you will be victorious through fasting. Number seven, fast to worship God. In Luke 2, we see a story of an 84-year-old prophetess named Anna. In verse 37, it says, She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna was devoted to God. And fasting was just one expression of her love and worship for him. Fasting can and should be 
one of our expressions of love and worship for God too. Fast to have more time for prayer. Use the time you'd normally spend eating as time in prayer. You see, in the Bible, fasting is always connected with prayer. Always. Fasting without prayer is just dieting. Maybe you have a hard time finding or making time for prayer. Anyone? Raise your hand. It's okay. Maybe you've tried to add it to your already busy schedule. Have you ever tried giving something up and putting prayer in that thing's place? Consider that. Fast to have more time to pray. Number nine, fast to show the depth of your desire. Fasting shows that you are serious enough about prayer and your time with God that you're willing to pay a personal price. You're willing to make a sacrifice. God honors deep desire. And one of the ways that we can show that desire is by fasting and praying in faith. And number 10, fast to receive God's supernatural power and fresh anointing. Fasting is a tool that we can and should use when there is opposition to God's will. Because Satan would like nothing better than to cause division and discouragement and defeat and depression and doubt among us. Fasting can fight against that. United prayer and fasting has always been used by God to deal a decisive blow to the enemy. Fasting increases God's power in your life. Fasting will free you and then help you free others. It has the potential to significantly impact your lives and the lives of others. The Holy Spirit can transform your life personally and help you transform others. Church, just plain and simple, fasting and prayer work. It works. There are results. There are rewards. According to Scripture, when God's people fast with a proper biblical motive— that is having a broken, repentant, and contrite spirit, God will hear from heaven and heal our lives and our churches and our communities, our nation and this world. Fasting and prayer can bring about revival, a change in the direction of our city and our nation and the nations of the earth. Isaiah chapter 58, verse six, God says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? And untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Amen. The Bible gives example after example of God's people combining fasting with prayer so as to stir up their zeal and renew their dedication and commitment to him. You can call that personal revival. And personal revival never stays personal. It leads you to go be an agent of change in the world around you. King David wrote in Psalm 35 that he humbled himself with fasting. It is humbling. It shows you how weak you are, how dependent we are on things. Fasting is a means of getting our minds back on the reality that we are not self-sufficient. We think we are, try as we might, but fasting helps us realize just how fragile we are and how much we depend on things beyond ourselves, how much we should be depending upon the king of kings. 
the Bible records great people of faith like Moses, Elijah, Daniel, Paul, and even Jesus himself fasted so that they might draw closer to God. Jesus knew that once he was no longer with the disciples in the flesh, that they would need to fast to regain strength and renew their zeal to serve him. Fast to draw closer to God. James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Constant prayer and occasional fasting help us feel more near to God. It makes us more aware of his presence. Fasting and prayer can restore the loss of our first love for Jesus and result in a more intimate relationship with him. Raise your hand if you remember when you first met Jesus, when you surrendered your life to him. That was an amazing day, wasn't it? Raise your hand if you remember when you first felt the powerful presence of God being set you free from something. Yeah, there was nothing like that day. Nothing better than that feeling. Church, if you've lost any of that fire, try fasting. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Fasting is a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition so that you know what you need. It will illuminate hidden areas of your life, expose them and heal them. Fasting and prayer opens our heart and mind to receive wisdom and guidance from God. Fasting can result in personal revival and make you a channel of revival to others. When we fast, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, gets sharpened in our lives and equips us for spiritual battle. And there is a special power in fasting when combined with prayers and faith. We find in Scripture, God chooses to do through fasting and prayer what prayer alone will not. What's that? It's Matthew 17. Verses 19 through 21, we find it also in Mark chapter 9 from the New King James Version. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast this demon out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't, I don't think that means that it takes prayer and fasting to cast out any demon, but there are different kinds of demons, and God is pointing out this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Church, I want to be able to cast out any demon that might come against me or torment my family. Amen? Okay. Well, this kind, whatever kind it is, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Think about it this way. The power of God gets cranked up in your life with fasting. Amen? All right, so that is what fasting is, and that's why we should fast. When should I fast? When's the right time? 
Often in the Bible, God's people fasted immediately before a major victory or miracle or answer to prayer. That means they fasted when things were difficult. They fasted when they may have not felt like fasting, but they did it and it prepared them for a blessing. It positioned them for their breakthrough. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before their miraculous victory against Moab and Ammon. Daniel fasted before he received guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before beginning a major building project. That one resonates in my spirit. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights on water only before his victory over temptation and the flesh and then his ministry on the earth. It's never the wrong time to fast. Fast when things are good because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Fast when things are difficult because you just might be one fast away from your breakthrough. If you feel stuck up against a wall, growing weary and well-doing, consider fasting and just see how God might use it to reposition you in what you're facing. I know this, it's always darkest before the dawn. Or as Pastor Chris has said, the resistance is always greatest right before the breakthrough. Let me share with you some different types of fasts that we find in the Bible. I'll move through these quickly, but we've provided a scripture reference. If you'd like to do your homework, it's up here. It's also in the app for you. Have you got it? Ten types of fast. Man, who thought you could cover like, you know, 35 points in just a half hour? So, man, some different types of fasts in the Bible. Number one, the disciples fast for deliverance from sin, addiction, and bondage. If we fast, we can break the power of sin and addiction that limit our freedom in Christ. The Ezra fast for God's help in solving problems and for protection from the enemy. The Samuel fast for revival. The people were bound by idol worship in that time and they needed deliverance. So Samuel called them to seek God and fast and to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. If we fast and pray for revival, God will pour himself out. Number four, we see the Elijah fast for mental freedom from emotional problems and destructive habits. The widows fast, fasting to provide for the needy. You, you might know the story. The widow fasted. She went without food to meet the physical needs of someone else, of Elijah. And because she sacrificed her food, God made sure that she had more than enough food. We find Paul fasting in the book of Acts for physical healing, to have his sight restored and to receive direction from God. <laughs> Why am I going through this? What are your plans for me? And boy, were they great. Number seven, John the Baptist fast. This is to enhance our walk with God and to strengthen our witness for him. The Esther fast for protection from the enemy. The Jesus fast for spiritual power and victory over temptation and our flesh and the enemy. And number 10, maybe the most familiar of the fasts, 
the Daniel fast, fasting for health and to seek God's favor, purpose, and vision for life. So those are some different types of fasts, and I encourage you to open up each of those passages and dig a little deeper in your study time. But let me just give you some practical ways to fast then, okay? There's a water-only fast, and that's pretty self-explanatory, right? No food, water only. Most people that would do this type of fast would do it for a very short duration of time. And anyone that would do this fast, I want to caution you to, one, have a clear directive from the Lord, and number two, be in good physical health, okay? And maybe I'll add a third, and do not do it for a very long period of time. But that's one of the ways that you might fast. Or there's a partial fast, and this could mean fasting certain meals of the day or abstaining from certain kinds of food. Maybe you say, I'm not going to eat meat, or I'm not going to eat sweets, or I'm just going to have fruits and vegetables. These are different examples of a partial fast. Some choose to do a juice fast where they would only have fruit and vegetable juice. Some might add to that broth or soup and do a liquid-only fast. We can certainly fast personally, but there's power in a corporate fast. That's when a, when a church or a group feel called by God to fast together for a certain period of time and purpose. We find the Jewish fasting period in Scripture. It's when folks would fast from 6 p.m. one evening until 6 p.m. the next, 24-hour fast, and then I'm sure they would celebrate with some, some lamb or shawarma or something. And then there are non-food fasts. You know, although the word fast is used to describe abstaining from food in the Bible and doesn't really refer to giving up other things, or not many other things, during a fast, some choose to abstain from other pleasures, whether it be TV, technology, social media, uh, a certain hobby, uh, even sex. You know that? That's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, in the context of marriage, speaking to a husband and wife, one man and one woman, uh, let me just throw this in there. If you're not married, you should already be abstaining from sex. Just going to throw that free nugget out there for you, okay? But within the context of marriage between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Amen? It's God's word. And all the married men in the house are like, well, I don't feel God leading me in that way, Daniel. <laughs> I'm just telling you what's there. All right, so practically, some of the ways that you might consider fasting is, you know, giving up lunch or, or giving up sweets or, you know, only eating dinner, fasting sun up to sundown, or, you know, staying away from social media, un unplugging in that way, or maybe a combination of all of them. But I will tell you this, if it doesn't mean anything to you, then it won't mean anything to God. I'll say it again, because I have it bold. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. If you're not a dessert person, first of all, we'll have some prayer partners over here at the end of service. I would love to, to pray for you, but no, if, you're, if you don't have a sweet tooth, if you could, 
go without, you know, sweets that wouldn't really be hard for you, then don't fast that. It wouldn't mean anything to you. If you have a sweet tooth, if you could have chocolate after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then perhaps that is something to consider fasting from. How about this? Ask God how he would want you to participate. Ask God, God, I've never done this before. Like, is this something you'd like me to try? He'll answer you. What should I abstain from? And for how long? He'll answer you. Ask him. I can't encourage you enough to give it a try as the spirit leads you of when to do it and how to do it and for how long. And just a couple of important reminders as we near the close here. Fasting must be combined with prayer. We are called to fast and pray. If you're fasting a certain meal of the day, if you're fasting lunch, use that time that you would normally be eating to pray because the combination of prayer and fasting is a powerful way to focus on seeking God for breakthrough. And during that time, you may also want to read the word, dig into some of these scriptures we've laid out, play worship music, sing along, journal. There's so much that you can do in this time. And I'm not sure what your schedule looks like and what your surroundings are like, but if at all possible, I want to strongly encourage you to fill that very same time that you would usually be eating with prayer. Fill that very same time that you would be doing whatever you're abstaining from doing with prayer, time with the Lord. Because there is something extra special and powerful when our spiritual yearning is accompanied with our physical groans. It's real, guys. Man, it'll be a blessing to your life, I'm telling you. Another reminder, remember, fasting is not earning an answer to prayer. You hear me? God cannot be blackmailed. God cannot have his arm twisted and just, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. God wants to answer your prayers, and God will answer your prayers in his grace and sovereignty and in his timing. Fasting prepares us and positions us for God's answer. It's not a way to earn an answer, but it will prepare and position you for the answer that God has for you. Again, one more caution. Fast from food only if you're in a physically healthy place. Okay? If you can't do that right now, abstain from what you can abstain from, and God will honor the intention of your heart. And finally, the devil hates it when you fast. You got to know that. Fasting is not practiced by the typical Sunday morning only Christian. Fasting will release the power of God into your life. And that threatens the enemy. You got to know this because he will try to get you to stop fasting. He will try to get you, even if you skip the meal, to get distracted by something else and not spend time with him. The enemy doesn't want you to experience breakthrough. The enemy doesn't want you to grow in spiritual maturity. So you must enter into a fast seriously. Before you begin, repent of any known sins and then be ready for a fight. Raise your hand if you've ever heard um, the saying, eat your feelings or feed your feelings. Anybody? What does that mean? 
People turn to the comfort of food to deal with their problems, especially emotional ones and mental ones. In fact, I think people use the comfort of food far more than drugs or alcohol. And let's be honest, sometimes an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's fish food ice cream at 9 p.m. is really comforting. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe that's just me. Maybe you're a mint chocolate chip person. I don't know. But what if instead of turning to the comfort of food, we turn to the comfort of the Father? What if we listened more to the Spirit of God than to our stomachs? What if prayer and abstaining from the cravings of our appetite would lead us to spiritual advancement and supernatural breakthrough? What if? There's power in fasting, church, and God will reward it. But there is exponential power in corporate fasting, and that's why our pastors are leading us in this way. So if you've already begun fasting, keep going. If you've not yet started, I encourage you to start today. And it won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Fasting just might be the key to unlocking the power, presence, and purpose of God in your life that you've been longing for. Stay hungry for Him and feast on the presence of God. Amen? Let's pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for desiring to be near us. And we thank you for giving us ways to draw near to you. Help us to surrender and to keep surrendering to you daily. You alone are the satisfaction and fulfillment that we need. You are more than enough for us. Speak to us, O Lord. May your spirit continue to prepare and position us for your purpose. Have your way in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. I wanna invite you to stand as we sing a chorus and Pastor Chris will come close us out in just a little bit.